Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, and more importantly, welcome back, Giants fans, to another episode of the Say Hey Podcast, the podcast that is home to all things Giants baseball. Folks, before we dive into today's show, I would like to take a moment to let you know that you can find the Say Hey Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you're hearing, then don't be afraid to subscribe. And if you really like the show, then make sure to leave a review, but most importantly, make sure to spread the word. With that being said, let's dive right in. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Say Hey Podcast. I'm your host today, James Donahue, as I am for every show. And you are now officially listening to episode 28 of the Say Hey Podcast, which also means, depending on what math you use, that we're almost at episode 30. So that's a neat little victory that we'll celebrate once we get there. But of course, folks, the reason why you're probably listening to today's show is because we have a special guest on the show, and that is Mr. Tyler Heineman, who is a catcher for the Giants in 2020. But before we actually get to the interview, there's actually been already off-season moves since the last time I posted an episode, episode 27. So I'm going to go ahead and cover real quick what's been going on since we last saw each other or listened to each other, and then I'm just going to go ahead and dive into the interview with Mr. Tyler Heineman. All right, so the biggest piece of news you've probably heard already by now is that the Giants have signed right-handed relief pitcher Matt Whistler from the Minnesota Twins to a one-year deal worth $1.15 million. Now, in last week's episode, I entertained the fact of the Giants going out and signing the assistant pitching coach from the Twins would be a big enough reason for Jake Odorizzi to come to San Francisco. And even though I'm still holding on hope for that, I'm sure that that was also a factor for Whistler to come over, but, you know, who really knows? Okay, so what type of pitcher is Matt Whistler? Well, he threw his extremely effective slider 83% of the time in 2020, and opposing hitters could only produce a 143 batting average against that pitch, which explains why he had such a great 2020 season. Whistler finished the season with a 1.07 ERA and 25.1 innings pitched and also managed to strike out 12.43 batters per nine innings. So it looks like Whistler had one job and one job only, and that was to get batters out by using that slider. And I honestly don't expect that to change in 2021 during his time with the Giants either. One thing I will also say is that I still expect the Giants to go out and get another arm or reliever during this offseason, mainly because they were able to acquire Whistler for such a cheap price. They only spent a little over a million dollars for him. So overall, I love the move. It bolsters the bullpen, and it gives the Giants another arm, especially on the right side. Some other news is that the Giants have re-signed Chadwick Tromp to a major league deal, which I'm definitely okay with. Absolutely. Welcome home, Tromp. I mentioned in the last episode that I could definitely see the Giants doing this because of the familiarity he already has with the team and the system the Giants are trying to implement with their catchers. And we are definitely going to get into that with the Tyler Heineman interview here shortly. But other than that, nothing too crazy has happened. 
You're excited for Whistler. You're happy for Trump. Welcome back home. And there is still plenty of moves to be made, in my opinion. But until then, I'll be keeping you updated every week on all things the Giants are doing this offseason. But for now, let's go ahead and get right into the interview with myself and Mr. Tyler Heineman. And some things you can expect to hear us talk about in this interview is the new style of catching that was put on display in 2020, our opinions on the extra innings rule that was also implemented in 2020, and also why the 2020 season was so memorable for Tyler for specific reasons that actually had nothing to do with COVID. All right, enough of me talking. Without further ado, an interview with Mr. Tyler Heineman. All right, Tyler. So this year was obviously memorable, crazy, and something nobody had really ever experienced before for a lot of different reasons. But for you specifically, you had a lot of memorable moments that were actually unrelated to COVID. For example, making the opening day roster and being the starting catcher for the Giants for the first game of the season, playing a major league game with your brother, and of course, being able to pitch this year as well. Um, but for you specifically, what are some of the moments that stood out to you during the 2020 season? Uh, I mean, you said it right there. I think obviously playing my brother was the, was the big thing. Um, it's a dream yeah. that we've been, we've been, you know, working towards our entire life. And it was the first time we were able to do it in a, in a major league game, which was, which was pretty special and incredible. And, uh, you know, just being able to make an opening day roster for my first opening day roster, um, you know, it's just a lot of hard work and it's timing and a lot of things, you know, so, um, you know, very proud of that, and, and it's definitely a special moment. Again, congratulations, again, for both of those things. That's a huge, huge deal. Um, now, that was the first time you ever played with your brother, correct? In the big leagues, yeah. We played Sorry, against yeah. each other a couple times in the minors and then uh, in college. What were the reactions from your family and your parents? That, that was obviously such a big moment for them, too. Yeah, I think it's just, uh, you know, Obviously, they weren't able to be there because of the restrictions, so that was tough. But, you know, right. just talking to them after games. And uh, I know my whole family and extended family was, was tuned into the game. And, you know, it was, I think it's just – I mean, I definitely, they were definitely happy, but I think it, it was just, you know, a special moment just to see, you know, their two kids and then obviously, you know, the extended family just to see everyone. Sorry, my dog's going crazy. Um, oh, no, no worries, man. I love dogs. Just to, just to see everyone, uh, you know, kind of watch together and then give some support. It was, uh, you know, it was really nice to see. That's awesome. Now, I watched an interview with your brother, Scott, and he jokingly stated that you like to kind of just talk to the batters and try to get in their heads when they step in the batter's box. Were you, were you saying anything to him when he stepped up to the box? Uh, no. Nah. I mean, I don't really actually <laughs> talk to, to hitters very often unless they approach me. Um, I used to do that when I was younger to try and rattle them or whatever. But, you know, I, I didn't like that when I was hitting, so I, I stopped doing that really early <laughs> okay. on in minor leagues. Um, I only talk crap to some people that, you know, I'm really good friends with. Uh, but with my brother, no, nah, I, just, I just said, what's up, man, and kind of just went from there. And, you know, he, he was talking a little bit more crap than me uh, <laughs> when he was playing. That must be fun. What what was it like growing up having a brother that was working towards the same goal as you and try and both of you trying to make the majors? I'm sure it was extremely beneficial for both of you kind of just having yeah. each other. Yeah, I mean, I think it was just it was awesome just to have, you know, it's sometimes it's really difficult 
to get someone to play catch with you, to throw you BP, to, you know, hit you ground balls, to do all that stuff. And when someone's on the same wavelength as you and, and is trying to strive for the same goals as you, um, you know, it's pretty easy to get someone to, hey, I'll hit you ground balls or I'll hit you fly balls if you feed the machine for me and, and help me with receiving and stuff. So, you know, it, uh, it definitely allows you to work more and uh, with somebody that, you know, cares about how you're doing and how, how you're progressing as a player um, and just kind of just keeps you on your toes and, and tries to get you better. That's awesome. Do you think you guys have learned uh, different things from each other or even, you know, like leaned on each other throughout this process of making it to the major leagues? Because spoiler alert for the listeners, making it to the big leagues is not an easy thing to do. So I'm sure you guys have, you know, I don't know, swapped advice or definitely had to lean on each other through certain times. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I know, you, you know, him, he, I had to go through all the, the process first of, of getting drafted and, you know, signing and doing all these things, finding an agent, you know, everything I just went first in because I'm older. So, um, you know, well, except for getting to the big leagues, he got to the big leagues first, but, uh, <laughs> you know, like, I think, I think just having somebody go through it, that's you're close to and that you trust, um, is just invaluable. And, um, ha also just, uh, uh, from my standpoint, having somebody else that's going through the same grind as you in the minor leagues and in pro ball and in the off season, you know, like lean on each other. And it's just, the feelings are the same. You know, there's times where you're tired. There's times where you don't really want to work out or, or do stuff. But when you have somebody that you um, really respect and um, they're holding you accountable, it, uh, it kind of, it just puts a little energy and life into you and, and you just, you know, you just get it done and then you end up feeling better afterwards, but just having somebody that's on the same kind of career path as you, um, just, and, and someone that you really enjoy being around, it, it's just, it, it, you know, it puts a, a fire under you and, and, and it really can help you get better. Well, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations to the both of you. I know that's a huge deal. Um, now something I was wondering were, was, the off season heading into the 2020 season, were you able to have a lot of interactions or any interactions with Buster Posey? Was there anything specific that you learned from him? Um, or was there any advice that he gave you? The off season headed into 2020? Yeah. Cause I know uh, he no. did. Cause he didn't play during the 2020 season. So I was just wondering if he was around before the season started. Right. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't really, I didn't know him before I signed with the giants and then he was there in spring training, uh, for regular spring training. And so I got to know him and, and learn from him during that. And, uh, and then, you know, kept in contact with him during quarantine. And then he was, you know, always made himself available throughout the 2020 season. So, um, yeah, I mean, he's, uh, he's one of the best there, there is to ever, to ever put on the gear. So, um, anything he says, uh, for the most part, uh, I took to heart and you just learn and listen to, cause he's, he's kind of seen it all. And, um, you know, it's, he's just, he's really, he's widely respected throughout the league, not just because he's a great player offensively and defensively, just because he's a great dude. So, right. um, you know, he, uh, he really, he deserves that respect and, and just being able to, to just listen to him talk and, and learn from him and the, 
very limited time that I was able to do that was, was something special for me. That's awesome, man. And I mean, even outside of that, was there something that you learned during the 2020 season that you maybe not had learned yet during your 2019 season? Um, I mean, yeah, I guess probably just how mental baseball can really be and really, yeah. uh, you know, like, uh, it's come on, buddy. Um, yeah, just how, like, just how mental you want to be in this photo. Yeah. Oh, little pug. What's yeah, his name? Pug. Butters. Butters. What's up, man? Just how, <laughs> yeah, just how mental baseball can really be, you know, like it's just the, the big leagues, the minor leagues. Yeah. It's, it's, it's better competition and stuff, but it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's the same game. You, you throw the ball, you hit the ball, you catch right. the ball, but we put so much pressure on ourselves to succeed um, that it becomes, it becomes all mental. Um, and really a lot of the time when you're struggling, it's not a physical thing that you're struggling at because you've done it before. You've, you've hit a ball hard. You've made a good throw. You've, you know, thrown strikes. It's just like, it's, it's funny. It's you, you think, and you know that it's mostly mental, but, you know, until you go through some struggles, like, you know, I, I struggled again, it was small sample size, but I struggled a good amount this year, um, at least offensively. And I can just run through honestly every single at bat. Cause I had 40 of them, you know, I can run through every single at bat and, you know, you run through the, down the list of, did you get a good pitch to hit? Yes. Um, were you ready to hit? Yes. Like all these things, like, you know, the first few th things before you look at any, um, before you look at anything that, that has to do with your, um, you know, your swing or just, just any, any sort of physical right. about your swing, you have to ask yourself, I mean, I think it's a good thing to ask yourself, did you get a good pitch to hit? Were you ready to hit? Were you on time? Um, because if none of those are there, that's the problem. Number one, you got to fix that. And if all those are there, then yeah, it's something to do with your swing. Um, and then you got to fix that. But like all of, all of my, like all the things were, like my bats were great. I swung at pitches I wanted to hit and I just missed them. I miss hit the pitches and a lot of it was mental. I put so much pressure on myself to, to get it done and, and do it. And that all that right. pressure is the difference of you missing the ball barely or, you know, like popping it up and hitting a line drive. So, um, you know, I think, I think just really being able to see for my own mind and, and own eyes that, uh, like just how mental it is and being mentally strong and just watching guys like that have done it for a long time, Longoria, Crawford, Belt, um, you know, even when they struggled, just how, how they went about their business, it was the exact same. Everything was the same daily. So, um, you know, it was, it was definitely invaluable for me to, to learn from them and just, just watch guys that are successful year in and year out, how they deal with ups and downs. That's just great life advice too, for no matter what you're doing. That's, a, that's awesome. Uh, now, something I've always been curious about is the type of preparation that needs to happen uh, for an everyday big league catcher physically and mentally, because I personally would argue that the position is the most taxing, not just on your body physically, but mentally you have to be sharp as well. Uh, what's something people may not know about the catcher position and its preparation? Um, I mean, I can run you through kind of like a, a daily thing. Obviously, you know you're you're playing most most of the time. You know you're playing 
um, the night before, you know, you're not playing. So days that you're playing, uh, I get to the field. This year was a little different, but I usually try to get to the field, be the first one at the field, get warm up, um, foam roll, stretch, uh, activate my, my body, uh, especially the stuff that I'm going to go hit with. So my obliques, my low back, my hamstrings, my, my glutes, all that stuff. Um, that I go hit for 20, 25 minutes, uh, just in the cage, uh, go back up and eat something. And then from then on before BP, I'm, I'm looking at scouting reports and, and trying to, you know, we've already formulated the night before kind of, or just at the beginning of the series, we've already formulated, you know, what, what we think is the best attack plan for these certain hitters. So let's say the Colorado Rockies, um, you know, we've already, formulated how we want to pitch to Nolan Arenado, how we want to pitch the story. And so it's just about remembering that and just going through it and rehearsing it. And then you got whoever's on the mound that day. So let's say Logan Webb's on the mound. Um, you know, what, what specifically does he throw that is best against this team or against this guy? And then you just rehearse it, mentally rehearse it and go through it and try and envision it, go out for BP, you take your BP, and do all your early work stuff, come back in, you eat again, uh, get mentally, mentally rehearse, and then, and then, you know, you get stretched out by a trainer or you stretch out yourself. Uh, you go out and you do your early work pregame uh, work with the catching coach, and then you start warming up the pitcher, and then you go into the game and you go from there. Wow. That, that system is so crazy in and of itself, but then add all the external COVID things on top of that, it, kind of felt like I don't know it just seemed like it would be an even more of a headache but as you already mentioned it's kind of something you've been doing pretty much all your life so it probably became second nature to you yeah I mean it's also fun for me you know it's yeah it's it's like uh it's like trying to figure out a puzzle in in a sense you know you you got you you I grew up and I was also in the minor leagues a bunch with with watching these guys you know, like watching Mike Trout, watching all these guys that are, are superstar players. And now I have to go formulate a plan based on the, you know, numbers that we have on them, like how to get them out. It's like, it's pretty cool. It's a, it's yeah, a it's fun a dream come true. Like, oh, That's awesome. Yeah. It's like, oh, okay. I know, like, I'm not saying it always works because it never does, but it's like, I know <laughs> what the Giants think is the easiest way not easiest but the most effective way to get mike trout out it's like that's right. just information i'm not going to share that information here but it's like that's no 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 please don't yeah. <laughs> yeah that's information that like i get to have and it's a cool thing bit of information now i will tell you this like whatever information we get and if we get them out successfully like guys like that adjust and then you got to adjust back so it's a mind game you know what i mean like they they know what they're doing <laughs> crazy uh they're crazy effective at what they do and and knowing themselves and knowing how people pitch them so it's never a you can get them out four times in a game doing the same thing it's like they know what you're trying to do after one at bat maybe after a couple pitches and then you have to try and think along with them and try and trick them it's quite literally a chess match is what it's sounding like this the it's just insane and something that I learned this year and the only reason why I learned it is because there was no fans in the stands and I was watching Zach Granke and he started screaming like second sign after two or second sign after one you can have 
three or four different sets of sign for one pitcher. I didn't even know that was a thing. I thought all you did was put the fingers down for one set of signs like that. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know there was like three or four or five different sets of signs. There's infinite amount of signs, man. You go, you always, you always want to back yourself up and, and make sure that you don't, you're not letting someone on second base relay to the hitters, which is completely legal. There's nothing, there's nothing illegal about that, but just, right. you don't, you know, like, cause that's your fault. If, if you don't change up your signs, if you don't continue to mix it up, if you get too predictable and they can figure out your signs, they, that should be allowed. And that's been the way that baseball has been forever. Like, you know, right. guy on second base, they steal your signs and look into your signs. Um, you know, now if someone makes it obvious, then that's, that's not too great. But like you, most of the time it's very subtle and they can tell their hitters, you know, an off-speed pitcher, a fastball is coming. And that's like, that's the advantage you get for with that is incredible. It's like you already get a, a, a incredible baseball player who can hit something if it's a strike or, you know what I mean? Like knows how to do it, but now you can tell them what pitch is coming an off-speed or a fastball. It's like, yeah, it's like, who wouldn't <laughs> want that? So right, you, know, you, exactly. have to, you have to defend against that and, and make sure that, you know, you're switching up your signs every inning, a couple times during the inning, if there's a guy on second base for, or, you know, two or three batters. So um, you just got to defend against that and then just kind of be on the same page as your pitcher. Wow. Yeah. So like you're, well, I didn't even realize that you're even making adjustments literally like at bat per at bat in throughout the games. That's, that's just pretty crazy. Um, and speaking of, I mean, the catcher position, something that I noticed this year, and please correct me if I'm wrong, is that the, it seems like the catching position in the game is changing a little bit. And the reason why I say that is because towards the beginning of August, I noticed that a lot of catchers were dropping down to a knee to receive the ball, even with runners on base. Um, so I was, I was kind of thinking to myself at first, what the heck are they doing? But then I guess come to find out what's happening in the game of baseball is that catchers are now being told to set a, I mean, you can explain this probably better than I can, obviously set a lower target in order to have a better chance at framing the lower pitches for strikes. Is that what's happening? Uh, yeah. I mean, that's, there's a, there's a definitely, that's uh, one component of it. I think, um, you know, most people and, and, you can see this across the league, but uh, for me especially, you know, like if you go – everything for a catcher most of the time is – nowadays is based on receiving and, and how you receive, how you steal strikes or, or, or whatever. Um, and, you know, so specifically to me, uh, I'm extremely good at stealing strikes with no one on base um, because I'm more relaxed, I'm lower. Uh, sometimes I go on a knee um, – but with runners on base, I was like, I like, I, so I was really highly rated on, on uh, whatever the baseball metrics that they, that they use with no one on base. But then with somebody on base, you know, I was like near the bottom of all big league catchers uh, mm. that or last year. And, you know, I set up higher. Uh, I'm in a block first mentality in my mind. I like, I want to throw uh, to throw somebody out. And so like that little bit of difference in, in mindset, um, in a block first mentality versus receive first can make you sit higher so that you're able to get your knees down uh, and if the ball's in the dirt and also um, not really trust that you're going to reach out and grab a, a, a curveball that goes low because you're not 100% sure if it's going to go in the dirt. It's kind of like an in-betweener. 
And right. so like when no one on bit, when no one's on base, if a ball ends up going in the dirt or you miss it, nobody cares. It's like, you know, it's, <laughs> right, nobody, right. nobody advances. You, you don't look dumb because you're just trying to, you're trying to receive it. And, and, you know, but so I think a lot, I think that just the mentality is shifting. Uh, obviously you're seeing, you know, the last couple of years, if you're watching playoff baseball, you're seeing a lot more like balls that get by the catchers. Um, and you know how it has a lot more, uh, repercussions in the playoffs, but I think it's just, you know, a, a byproduct of throughout the season, you know, it's not as important to advance a runner 90 or they're just more, they're more concerned with, with receiving, um, than they are with, with blocking and stuff. But, uh, I guess the, you know, the, the Yankees catching, coach uh i don't i don't really know his name um and i apologize for that but uh he he's the big proponent of the one knee down uh for receiving and blocking and kind of not really pioneered it but you know crunches numbers and i guess with a a knee down like the amount of times that a runner advances a base with a ball in the dirt is slightly lower than when someone's in a traditional stance so uh, it's something to play around with. I'm not very, you know, I'm I'm not someone that likes to go knee down with runners on base. I know, you know, we had Chadwick Trump and and uh, Joey Bart like to do that. Posey doesn't really like to do that with with runners on base. So uh, I'm more traditional in that sense. But you know, my splits with runners on base and nobody on base in terms of receiving was pretty staggering. So that's something that I'm I'm going to work on this off season and. I don't think I'm going to try knee down, but I might try, you know, something modified um, just to help um, make the numbers closer. Gotcha. Yeah. That, I mean, it was definitely something that was like, it stuck out to me mainly because like, obviously, I mean, everyone, all my listeners know I didn't play long, didn't play, didn't play baseball for a long time. But when I did, I would play catcher and my dad would, he would just yell at me if I had those knee saver things, you know, that like sit yeah. behind your thighs. And he yeah. would say, no, absolutely not. Like you have to be in the squad all the time. So I wonder if there's something that's going to be changing throughout the game of baseball. And do you think like this new knee down theory is going to be staying in the game? Um, and then like, do you think it's going to be implemented to like the younger players in their development? Um, yes and no. I think that it is going to, allow catchers to have another option uh with what is comfortable to them uh to get the job done you know there's literally i don't really think like i don't think there's one way to do it um that's that's right or wrong i just think that if you get it done it's right if you get it done for you it's right if you get a pitch called a strike more often than not in a position where you're on sitting on your butt completely like do it get it done you know if you can still block or keep it in front and throw from there do it if you block a ball with one knee or you know with you with only your glove and you just you just go pick it but you do it almost all the time do it you know i think that yeah. i think that there you know I, I i don't think there needs to be a uniform way to to skin a cat you know I, like there's so many different ways that you can get it done and be successful and I think that just with this knee down thing is just another way. And, you know, so for up and coming players and, you know, in pro ball and younger kids, you know, like 
if it's a way that makes them better and, and it allows them to be a better player, then uh, I think that people should utilize it. But, you know, it, I think it's just a, a trial and error thing. You know, for me, like, I, I don't really like having a knee down with runners on base just because I don't feel ready to block. Right. Uh, and I have very quick feet uh, and a average arm. So I like to be able to kind of get my feet going in order to throw people out. I just, that's how I'm, I'm very, I'm usually very accurate. So that's how I throw a lot of people out. Um, yeah. And you know that, but that works for me, but now, you know, all these sabermetric numbers are coming out and you see Tyler Heineman placed eighth with, uh, in, in receiving numbers, eighth in the big leagues, eighth out of, I don't know, 75 or something like with nobody on base. And then, uh, with runners on base 70th or 68th, um, like that's a big gap. Yeah. So obviously I like having all these numbers out because it, it allows you to, to work on what you're not very good at. And so, um, and try to improve that. And so, you know, that's, that's a big thing that I'm working on this off season. And, you know, maybe I will try to, to do it, but, um, you know, it's something that I've never been comfortable with, but, you know, obviously there's, there's a disconnect between my runner on and nobody on stance. So I have to, I have to figure out what's going on and, uh, and try and rectify that. And just kind of just going back to what you already mentioned, just making those adjustments in the game of baseball. I just can't believe how many there are, how many adjustments need to be made in order to be successful at this big league level. And that's, I think the, one of the biggest testaments to making it to the show, people don't really realize like you can't be complacent. You have to, you just can't be, Oh, I made it. So everything's going to be fine. Like, from everything that you're telling me now, you need to make adjustments pretty much almost every day in order to, you know, just stay uh, above water, I guess. Um, but I will have to disagree with you, Tyler, because I think you have an extremely above average arm because uh, you said you have a little bit of an average arm. But, man, when you threw out Charlie Blackman, when he was trying to steal the bases, I was blown away. That was really, really smooth. And then you, again, I've already mentioned, but you pitched and then you unintentionally hit Johnny Cueto in the head when you were throwing the ball back to him. Um, so I think your arm's pretty spot on. Um, but yeah, it's, it's accurate. It's accurate, but, uh, I'm working on some, getting a little bit more velocity on my throws. <laughs> yeah. What sure. were, were you completely hyped? Do you know what I'm talking about when you threw Charlie Blackman out? That was like, yeah, I think was that was that the extra inning game I think in or against Colorado. No, that yes, it was the extra inning game, but I think that one was in the ninth inning, or maybe it was in the tenth inning. But I'm pretty sure that that was in the might have been in the tenth. Yeah, I do. I do mean I do remember it. Um, it was a big moment. I, I came in. Uh, I came in because we pinch hit for Bart, and you know, obviously we're in a must-win situation. So, right. Um, you know, two outs, guys. Blackman starts to go. There's two strikes on the hitter. You know, if you don't throw them out, then there's a runner on second base and they can get a hit and, and score a run. So, um, no, I think that, yeah, I think that was the ninth inning because once the 10th inning was on, there was runners right. on. I, okay. Right. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, but anyway, you know, yeah. So, like, yeah, I remember that. Rogers was pitching. Uh, tough pitch down towards my glove side. But, uh, you know, again, it's just we've worked on this stuff many, many times before in the right. cage pregame, you know, it's like once you get into the game, it's just, you know, you're trying to just have some fun and let it out. Um, let it loose. You know. Yeah. It's, you can't like, how are you going to enjoy have, have playing 
baseball, if you're just constantly being like, okay, I need to do this, 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 and this. It's like, no, you just got to let your mind free. You did all the work. You did what you're supposed to do. You've prepared. Just go out and have fun. And then at the end of the game, you know, um, reflect on your performance and, and what you think you can improve upon. But, like, you see all these – the best players, man, they just play. They yeah. play. They have fun. Um, even when they're not doing well, it's not like it's fun, but they don't, like, stress about – like, because you can't hit – like, you cannot hit a – a major league fastball or something that has major league, even professional players and even like minor leagues, you know, you can't something that has that movement, late movement. You can't hit that. If you're thinking about, okay, I got to stride at this time, make sure that my, my foot gets down in this specific area. And then I have to fire my hips before everything. It's like you have yeah. point two seconds to decide if you point two, yeah. Point two. Yeah, two tenths of a second or whatever to decide if you <laughs> if you even want to swing, because you know it takes point four seconds for the or four tenths of a second for the for the ball to get past you. Yeah, so. at, at that point you just have to trust your instincts and trust that you've put in the work, and your body has the muscle me- memory. And you, absolutely, I agree. That's it. Yeah. Now, now I'm sure just like everyone else, there's a lot of things that we all want to leave in the year 2020 and just hope it never comes back. Um, do you think some of, the, some of the rules that were implemented during the 2020 season, like the extra innings rule and the DH in the National League, should stay um, in 21, or excuse me, 2020, or do you think it should come back during the 2021 season? Um, I, that's not up to me to decide. I think um... – you know, I think the the runner on second rule is a rule to quicken up games, which I understand what, where they're coming from. But, you know, I think it also puts a lot more stress on, on pitchers because, you know, I, again, it's not their earned run out there, but, like, it, like, every pitch you throw in a high leverage situation is more taxing on your arm than it is when there's no one on base. You know, you just – you put more stress on your arm. So I think that um, – you know, I'm not really the biggest fan of the of the extra inning rule, but uh, again, like I said, it's not up to me. Um, but you know, the DH rule, I think that you know, if the American League has a DH and is allowed a DH, um, you know, the National League should be allowed a DH as well. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't really think that that pitchers need to hit. Now, pitchers that know how to hit, they're going to disagree with me and. <laughs> you know, I, I, I understand. Um, but I also, I just think that, you know, that it, the disconnect of, you know, I think going into playoffs and going into the world series, especially um, the national league has a distinct advantage over the American league. Once they go into a national league park, because their hitters have been hitting throughout the season, the manager has been playing and, 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 managing with a you know pitchers and double switching and all that stuff in the american league they don't really have to do that so you know i think it should be universal so american league pitchers should hit nationally pitchers should hit american league there's a dh nationally there's a dh you know that's that's a personal opinion of mine but you know uh, like i said i i respect anything that they decide to do and you know i'm obviously just i'm just a player so i'm i'm gonna go out and and do it, whatever we got to do. Yeah, right. No, that definitely makes sense. And that actually, about the extra innings rule, when 
that I that was something I didn't even think about. You brought up an excellent point that you were saying that pitchers' arms are under correct me. Uh, pitchers' arms are understrained more, or when they're pitching with runners on base. Um, so um, I, I sorry, yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know about the like just the strain on your arm, but I know that I know that when like when they just I know that there's like a like when they when they talk about stress and, and heart rate and all that stuff when they've they've tested that stuff on pitchers. Right. That's why they have a certain number of pitches that like some organizations have thirty five pitches in an inning and then everything after that is too much stress on on your arm and you're more susceptible to injury. Like whatever. Some some teams have thirty, yeah. some teams have forty. Like there's a number and they've tested out some stuff and, and high leverage situation the amount the high leverage guys on uh, runners of scoring position, um, like the amount of pitches, the amount of high leverage pitches that you need, that you have to throw is less than if you just have no one on base. Right. And for, for it to, you know, start to affect, but I, I don't know. I mean, I didn't really see too many extra injuries because of that, but you know, I, like I said, I, I that's way above my pay grade. <laughs> and I'm just, yeah, I'm just part of it from a, from a purely baseball standpoint, like from what I've been through in my, my career and stuff, you know, I think that the extra inning rule is, is, is not as fun. Uh, sorry, is, you know, not as like, you know, baseball tradition, but right. You know, also it makes games quicker. So I, I understand where they're coming from. Yeah, I I mean for the DH rule, I definitely want to stay in the National League. I think it's sick. Um, but for the extra innings rule, me personally, I hope it doesn't stick around because I agree. I think the 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 runner on second does not seem like it was earned. Um, so it just seems like an imaginary run that kind of just showed up. That's just my personal opinion. Um, but yeah, we'll see what happens for the next season. Um, so. I have one more question. I, I know I told you 30 minutes, but it's probably six minutes over that. Uh, do you have enough time? Or? Yeah, it's all good. Okay, perfect. So we already talked about why 2020 was so memorable for you, but something people don't realize is that 2019 was also a memorable year for you as well. You made your major league debut. You got your first major league hit off Jacob deGrom. Wow, that's a great resume booster. And you hit your first major league home run off Zach Wheeler, which again, definitely not an easy thing to do. So I guess I'm just really wondering what the heck 2021 is going to happen for you, man, because these past two years for you have been really, really memorable. Are you excited for the next chapter of your career? I, I, I don't know if the listeners know this, but you were recently signed by the St. Louis Cardinals, right? Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So what, has that process been like? Are you excited? Yeah, no, it's it's awesome. I, you know, I think uh, definitely had a, a bunch of memories in, in 2019 and 2020 or 2020. So I think that, you know, looking forward to 2021 and seeing what memories uh, await. But, um, you know, I, I think it's just 2020 was invaluable for me, um, you right. know, not from, not from a standpoint of, of uh success but just um maybe potentially sustained success uh going forward just because you know uh i feel like i i'm uh, have a better understanding uh, that i know what it takes to be successful uh for me what it what it what it will take to be successful and it's just about trusting the process trusting that and and, and executing that uh going forward but um you know 
obviously I love the Giants. I love everyone that was associated with the Giants this year, especially the fan base. Um, and it was a tough decision to, to leave, um, you know, and, and go with the Cardinals. But uh, I think it's a great opportunity with the Cardinals. And, and uh, you know, I grew up a Cardinals fan, so I'm, I'm excited to um, – to be to be there and just compete there and just try and you know establish myself and you know hopefully you know god willing everything's gonna gonna work out the way that uh obviously it's supposed to but yeah you know, absolutely i hope that it uh you know i hope that it it allows me to uh find a find a spot in the big leagues to to stay but absolutely but either way you just grind through it and you continue to to just you just keep keep on trucking you know yeah. keep on trucking and you work hard and you know that's all you can do at the end of the day i can look in the mirror and say you know i did everything i could um but you know if i'm not working hard and i'm not trying to improve my game and, and then you know things don't happen for me you know uh, i can wake up in the morning with a lot of regrets so uh, that's that's the only thing that i don't want to be uh, i don't want the only thing i want i don't want to happen so no absolutely and i can speak for all giants fans when i say that you know, you were you say you're trying as hard as you can. It was obvious. Your work ethic showed on the field, and it was definitely awesome for me at least to watch um, and just kind of get to know you, not only on the field but also through social media and see how you interact with Giants fans and how you really, really appreciate the fan base. So St. Louis is definitely getting uh, – so they're, they're definitely lucky in getting you and acquiring you. Um, but you said St. Louis was your favorite team growing up. I thought you were from L.A. Uh, yeah, I was. I was a. Well, I loved David Eckstein. David Eckstein was a. Oh, nice. An undersized player that worked hard, hustled everywhere, uh, gave everything he had, every single play, every single at bat. So you know, I really resonated with me. He was with the Angels, so I was. I was an Angels fan, and I kind of latched on to him. And then you know, he went to the Cardinals, and so I followed with the Cardinals, and kind of fell in love with Yachty, um, Pujols, Edmonds. I mean, Roland, you can go down the list, Isringhausen. I mean, there's so many, so many guys that um, – Carpenter. Uh, Matt Carpenter as well, but uh, Chris Carpenter. And, you know, just like right. – these guys were incredible baseball players. And, um, you know, so it was, it was really fun to watch. Uh, but obviously my, my main guy, David Eckstein, you know, I just <laughs> loved him. That's awesome. Do you uh, – I know you, you said Yachty's name. Do you think you're going to be able to have any interactions with him? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously he's a free agent, so, um, but I, it's it's hard for me to to think he's going to go anywhere but the Cardinals. He's been right. there for for sixteen years, I think, and you know, he wants to probably end as a Cardinal, and and I respect that, and I understand that. You know, he's probably, in my opinion, the best to do it. Uh, Posey's up there, yeah, uh, you know, and I think Yachty's the best catcher of all time, in my opinion. So, um, you know, I. If he's there, unbelievable for me. I can learn from him and just try and pick his brain. If he's not there, you know, great opportunity for me. But, you know, um, I, I signed with the, with the uh, impression and the, you know, the thought that he was going to sign back there. So, um, yeah, I would, you know, I would love the opportunity to, to learn from him and just kind of just pick his brain. That's awesome, man. So we had Buster Posey. We had Yadier Molina, and the next up, we're going to have Tyler Heineman. It's going to uh, – nah, I can see it now. That'd be sweet. A lot That's of work. Awesome, man. Well, 
Tyler, that's all the questions I have for you today. Thanks again for stopping by. I really appreciate it, man. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Yeah, yeah. Good luck in your career. I, I, you're definitely someone that I'm going to be watching as well because I want all the success for not only you, but your brother as well. Um, so good luck in 2021. Uh, but yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. See ya. All right, everybody, that is going to be the conclusion of the interview. And before we end the show, I just want to say thank you again to Tyler for coming on the show and also a huge thank you to Butters Heineman. That's right, everybody. This was the first interview I had ever done where the player's dog was also present during the entire interview. And I've got to say, I'm definitely a fan. Folks, if you're still listening, I just want to say thank you so much for your love and support of the show. It truly means the world. And also, you can find the Say Hey podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And you can also leave a review and a rating if you feel so inclined. Stay tuned for future shows that drop every Tuesday. But until then, continue to stay safe and smart out there in this crazy world. But most importantly, everybody, go Giants.